0: Let us pray. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Many people ask, many of you ask, how could I possibly know God's will for my life? When most people ask that question, what they're really asking is how can I know that God is guiding my everyday choices and decisions? For The will of God is perfectly revealed to us in scripture. It is then for us to be receptive to what we hear from him in his word and then be obedient to his spirit. So the real question is not, how can I know God's will for my life? For that is revealed to us. The real question is, how can I know? How can I be certain that I am receptive to and obediently following the revealed will of God for my life? Today's text reveals to us Philip, who has both a receptive and an obedient spirit. It requires an openness to listen for and respond to the Holy Spirit. And it requires a receptivity to the spirit and obedience, no matter how ridiculous the instructions may seem to us. It may seem ridiculous to you, that people from our congregation might be called to go to Coyular, Honduras, when there's so much to do right here on Hilton Head or in Beaufort County. But having been called, we must be receptive to the call God has placed on our lives and obedient then to follow that call, no matter how ridiculous those instructions may seem to others. One key to understanding the passage today is this. What is translated for us as go south to the road, the desert road, the the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza, can also be translated go at high noon along the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. The same word that can be translated south can also be translated midday or high noon. And so, recognizing that Philip would already know that Gaza is south of Jerusalem, that's not a really important thing for the Spirit to reveal to him. But in order for Philip to be in the right, not only place, but at the right time, to be engaged in this divine appointment that God has set for him, Philip does need to know when to go. And so if we understand the initial instruction of the Spirit in this passage to be not go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem, but if we understand that it says go at high noon along the road, the desert road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza, then Philip has all the needed guidance required to be at the right place at the right time for the divine appointment God has set for him. Philip had heard the risen Christ deliver the great commission, the commission to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them everything that Christ had commanded. Philip also knew that it not, it not only meant go, it meant as you go, as you go today, wherever you go. Make disciples, as you go today, there will be divine appointments set for you. It's up to you to keep them as you go. Now the Spirit was specifically directing Philip to go to the desert road at noon. Strange instructions to be sure. Instructions requiring an obedient, willing disciple. Philip went. And as he went, he found that God had set a divine appointment just for him. He met a man of great wealth, great power, great influence. He met the Secretary of the Treasury of the Candace dynasty of Ethiopia. How many of you have met the Secretary of the Treasury of the United States of America? Raise your hand. Okay. how about the Secretary of the Treasury of Great Britain? No? This is a person of great influence, a person of great wealth, a person probably of great intellect, a foreigner, someone who Philip encounters along the way. He was also a man in some ways unfulfilled. It is revealed to us in this text that he was a eunuch. He's also a man with a seeking heart a fertile mind, and an openness of spirit. How do I know that? He is a man who, all the way from Ethiopia in southern Africa, he had made a pilgrimage to Jerusalem in order that he might worship God. He is, I assure you, not a Jew, but he is a proselyte. He is interested, he is seeking, he has come a long way seeking God. And yet whatever he experienced in the temple in Jerusalem did not give him what he was looking for. And so he is now on his way home, but he is still seeking, how do I know? He has the scroll of the prophet Isaiah open before him and he is seeking to understand the word of God. That's where this divine appointment is set to take place. God's got a plan. And Philip's willingness to follow the Lord's instruction and follow the desert road toward Gaza at high noon puts both of these men in the same place at the same time on the same day, precisely as the man is reading from Isaiah 53. He's reading. We can assume that he has read up to chapter 53 of the prophet Isaiah. He's been reading a while. And Philip running alongside the chariot, inquires, do you understand what you are reading? Another way of hearing that is Philip asked, do you find what you're reading to be meaningful? Not only do you understand, can you comprehend the text, but do you find it meaningful? It is a question that shows Philip's genuine interest in another person. It is a question that elicits an answer that opens a door. How could it possibly be meaningful to me when I can't even understand who it's talking about? I need someone to explain it to me. Do you understand the mysteries of this text? Do you understand of whom this text is speaking? I imagine that a smile crossed Philip's face and with that he was invited up into the chariot. Philip knew precisely of whom the text spoke. He not only knew intellectually, he knew personally. Philip has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So do we. What a privilege. What an honor. Philip's been invited up into the chariot of a person of wealth and privilege and influence in the world. What a privilege, what an honor. Not not a privilege and an honor to be invited into the power circle. not a privilege or an honor to sit with a wealthy man in a fancy chariot. That's not the privilege and honor that I'm talking about. What a privilege and what an honor to open with a truly seeking person the Word of God. What a privilege and what an honor it is to be there when the light comes on for someone when they understand for the first time, not only that there is a God of love, but that God loves them so much so that he would go to all links imaginable to reach them, even on a desert road at high noon in the middle of nowhere. Philip looked down at the page, looked down at the scroll, looked down at the column of Hebrew text, and he saw what the man was reading. Isaiah 53, verse 7. And starting right there, Scripture says. Starting right there. Not backing up to those great texts that come a few chapters earlier. Not running ahead to other texts that Philip had already memorized and would probably do a better job explaining. No, no. Starting right there. Where the man was, Philip explained to him about Jesus. Isaiah 53:7. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. Starting right there, starting right there, I imagine that Philip opened to this man the truth about the Christ. I imagine that he told him all about Jesus and how before Caiaphas, Jesus had remained silent, not opening his mouth how indeed Jesus, by oppression and judgment, was taken away. I imagine that he told him what happened before Pilate, that indeed he was cut off from the land of the living, that how Jesus was crucified and how he died. And who can speak of his descendants? I imagine that Philip said, I am his descendant. It is not about being born of flesh. It is about being born of the Holy Spirit. And then I imagine that they read on. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. And I imagine that Philip stopped right there and told the story of Joseph of Arimathea. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, and I imagine that right there, Philip stopped and he shared with him that Jesus had willingly laid down his life as an atoning sacrifice once for all. No other sacrifice ever needed. God's justice having been completely satisfied verse by verse chapter by chapter. I imagine that they continued through chapter 53 and through chapter 54 and on to chapter 55. Listen to verse 1. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost, Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest affair. Give ear to me and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. I imagine that right there in the midst of those verses, Philip was honored to tell this wealthy man about an eternal inheritance, to tell this person who was doling out food to the hungry in Ethiopia about the food, the bread from heaven, that is delivered by God in the person of Jesus Christ forever. I imagine that he told him about how Jesus taught about himself as the living water that gushes up to eternal life. I imagine that he told him, about the feast, the breaking of the bread, the pouring of the wine, how Jesus reinterpreted for them the Passover meal and gave it new meaning. And then I imagine that he pointed again to the verse about an everlasting covenant, a covenant, yes, that would be kept for Jesus, you see, is seated at the right hand of the Father. He has a kingdom, it is not a kingdom of this world. It is a kingdom of every time and place and of all people who set themselves under his sovereign authority. I imagine that he told him that Jesus said of himself, this is the new covenant sealed in my blood poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. I imagine he looked down at the scroll and continued on. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander of the people. Surely you will summon nations to know, who know not and nations that do not know you will hasten to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. I imagine he told him about the the transfiguration of Christ. I imagine that he told him, you know what, we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son. And we know that he is seated in heaven and we know that he's coming again. He gave us a charge that we would share this good news with all nations. And what a privilege, you from Ethiopia and me from Israel, I'm having the privilege of sharing now the good news of the gospel with Africa. Maybe he also said, I believe that even now with these words, God is seeking you and through you seeking the people of Ethiopia. You see, when he had risen from the dead, Jesus commanded us to go. And as we go, to baptize This is when I imagine the Ethiopian eunuch began looking for that pond of water. I'm here today. That's how I ended up on this desert road at high noon between Jerusalem and Gaza. I'm here today because God wants you to know the good news about his son, Jesus the Christ. Imagine you look down at the text, which says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord. He will have mercy on you and to our God, for he will freely pardon. I imagine that's when Philip looked up from that scroll and called this man to confession, to the repentance of sin, to ask God's forgiveness in the name of Jesus Christ. And that's when I'm quite sure that Philip assured him, In Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Everything old has passed away. See, everything about you is becoming brand new. The text continues. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so in my word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish that what I desire, the purpose for which I have sent it forth. I can only imagine that Philip looked up from that text with a broad smile upon his face, telling the man the parable of the sower and inquiring whether or not his heart was fertile soil for the word God was that day at that moment seeking to sow within it. I imagine that he shared with him about the Holy Spirit, about the gifts of the Spirit, about the fruits of the Spirit, about the desire in God's heart for us to multiply what we have been given as a great bounty unto the Lord. Returning to the text. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thornbrush will grow up the pine tree. Instead of the briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be the Lord's renown for an everlasting sign which will not be destroyed. This is what the Lord says, maintain justice and do what is right. For my salvation is close at hand and my righteousness will soon be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this, the man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath without desecrating it and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Maybe here Philip took the opportunity to talk about the life of discipleship. Maybe here he issued to the man the call that Christ had issued first to his own disciples. Be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. Inviting this man to begin leading a life that is worthy of the calling to which he has been called, a life that is worthy of the gospel. The text goes on to say, let no foreigner who has bound himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. You see, that would have been a gnawing concern in the mind of the Ethiopian The promise of God has always been just for the Jews. I imagine that Philip said, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew. It matters not that you are a foreigner in the Holy Land. The kingdom of Jesus Christ is not of this world. Neither the nation of your birth, nor the color of your skin, nor the circumstances of your upbringing matters now. All that matters is that you are willing to accept the gracious love of God poured forth in Jesus Christ. He is building a kingdom that is without end, a people from every tribe and nation, indeed one family under heaven. And then I imagine that Philip's eyes welled up with tears as they fell upon the next verse. I imagine that as he looked in the 56th chapter of Isaiah at verses four and five, it was unimaginable to him that God's timing and God's word could be so perfectly given, the timely and timeless Word of God finding its mark in one human heart. And let not any eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant. To them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. Imagine that Philip said, that's you my friend, that's you. Divine appointment met. Divine will worked out. The kingdom of God enlarged by one because one willing servant was ready to go when he was called. Ready, set, go. The race is on. Are you participating in it? Have you readied yourself for the divine appointments that God has surely set for you this day? Have you set your eyes upon Jesus and your heart upon heaven? It's time to go. It's time to go, and as we go, there are divine appointments for each one of us to keep. Seeking to share with others, beginning right where they are, the truth of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. The Great Commission is just as great today as it was when it was first delivered. We are called to go. And as we go, we are called to make disciples. Are you ready? Your divine appointments have been set. Let us pray. Holy God, as you have sent forth your word, so let it do the work in our hearts and minds for which you sent it forth, that through it your will might be accomplished in our lives and your divine appointments for us perfectly kept. In the name of Christ and by the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray.